Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bobcast. With you, as always, is Bob, live in the lounge, staring at the Ouija board. Tonight's guest was a featured cast member on The Real World, season 31, Go Big or Go Home. He's a model, he's a writer, but I guess what drew me to him most was the fact that he had lots of things to say. Most Real World, real world cast members, they just kind of get on the show, they get drunk, they hook up, and they really have no worldly message, no humanitarian, no, no element of humanism to them in a way, and I think that tonight's guest was one of the few that stood out to me that actually had something to say, you know what I mean, rather than collecting, you know, airtime. So, I mean, he's a writer, he's a humanitarian, and he's here tonight on the Bobcast. We're going to get to know him a little bit more, find out what his experience was like. Please do me a favor, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Mr. Christopher Amon to the show. How are you, Chris? Good, good. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So, I mean... That was quite a season, you know what I mean? It was hard not to watch it each week just because there were such fireworks going off. But, I mean, like, before you, you know... Oh, I know. It was like it was like watching a live version of all of the riots that are going on in America right now. Racial, sexual orientation, I mean, religious tensions. It was yeah. wild. So, I mean, the, the, like, before, like, this, like, whole event began, like, when you were, you know, traveling to... Like, you know, you knew you got cast. What was your expectations going into it? I mean, did it meet, exceed... Well, um, so my story was actually pretty interesting with this one. Uh, to be brief, I actually um, did not sign up for the show on my own. I, uh, I was, it was my second week in New York. I had gotten in a really bad Airbnb situation because I hadn't locked down an apartment yet. Um, I had just left BYU, which is the private Mormon school that I was attending. I had just told my parents I was no longer going to be attending church anymore. Kind of impromptu moved to New York. Uh, was in this really bad situation where I was actually living at the McKibben Lofts here in New York with this like Parisian heroin dealer and uh, had a friend in the city who I had met at a night class who was like, he seemed like a neat guy and not an axe murderer. So if you'd like, you can sleep on my couch for, you know, the two weeks until you're able to find your own apartment. And um, we were able to kindle like a very great, uh, we're still friends today. Our name's Tori Curtis. She's a wonderful friend of mine. Um, But we were able to build this friendship. And one of the nights we were there, uh, we got a little drunk and she actually signed me up for the real world. And uh, so you can imagine how surprised I was several weeks later when I got the email from MCV. Yeah. So and what uh, she she made a I imagine like you'd make a like a vlog right she videoed you and then next thing I you know no actually a lot of people don't know this but um, we um, don't make the video diaries until one of the last rounds of casting um, the people that you see who have created these uh, video entries to the show they uh, they're usually like the top several hundred competitors for a slot on the show. Oh, so it's almost not really, it's not scripted, but it's known that you're in contention, so you're not really, I guess what you see isn't, it, it wouldn't be like 100% natural then, right? Yeah, um, at, at that point, I think that there's a pretty good idea of, of who, who are. you are as a quote-unquote character um, to the casting department. Um, again, I, I guess my, my experience was a little unique because I never in a million years thought they were going to cast this, like, dirty, 
queer, I mean, I'm not dirty, but I'm like, I live in Brooklyn and I'm like this queer writer. I had a job, I, had, I was dating. Um, I wasn't what I imagined they were looking for for real world, like this kind of like juice head, you know, frat yeah. guy. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think I took the whole interview process really lightly. I joked around with the producers. I got to know my casting agents all the time thinking I was never going to see these people again. And so when they extended the invitation to come on a show to me, I was like, I, I really don't have much of an interest in doing this. Right. <laughs> and, um, and the reason that I actually did the show was because um, producers, uh, John and Matt, who are great, um, at Bud and Murray, agreed to essentially give me a platform to talk about whatever social issues I wanted to. See, that's and the part that stood out to me. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many seasons that go by where you're like, yeah, so-and-so got drunk, they hooked up, but there wasn't a season that I could recall. I mean, maybe in the 90s, like, there was a couple, like, seasons where, you know, they really, like, brought to the forefront what was going on in America, but I thought you did a good job with that, you know? I mean, Thank so- you. I, I really appreciate that. That was, that was the whole reason I did the show, so it always means a lot when people recognize that. Well, it's good, you know what I mean? Like, so, the first episode, you roll up in the desert, you know what I mean? And, like... Obviously, you're thrown into an extreme situation. They told you you're going to Vegas. You got to yeah, jump I'm out of a balloon. I was to a Mormon girl on the limousine, and I had like just distanced myself from the church. I was like, "All right, here we go." <laughs> do you think? Do you think the producers did that on purpose, or do you think that was just coincidence? Oh, everything on the show is done with 100% intention. Um, I don't think it was any mistake that um, you know myself. Like I, I'm a huge queer advocate, um, queer rights advocate, a big advocate for queer media. Um, DJ, who was another one of the cast members, is a huge advocate or advocate um, for African Americans and African American women specifically. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you put she and I, um, who, in one way or another, what we advocate for is our work, and um, put us in a house with this incredibly naive and somewhat ignorant yet and intensely homophobic and racist person. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just, it's like fireworks are bound to go off. <laughs> it must have been difficult. I mean, we only saw, you know, obviously an edited version of what it was like to live in that house. But I mean, anytime you come into contact with uh, racism or bigotry or of any kind, it's hard not to say something. And I find that in today's culture, a lot of people just kind of brush it off but you did the exact oh, opposite yeah. you know what I mean you were just like no bitch this is how it is no you know? bitch no yeah no I, I a lot of people uh, a lot of people really question some of the actions that I took on the show uh, well you were a writer and, right so obviously like I'm, yeah. a, I'm a screenplay writer right so like I find that writing a lot is a way to get through my emotions, and a lot of times when I write something, it I don't realize maybe until a week or two later that's something that's going on in my life at this moment. So I mean, you were writing yeah. about your experience, you know what I mean, and it, it kind of yeah, got out on the yeah. internet. Well, well, and I mean to let you up in on the big secret of the whole season, um, what people don't see on the show is pretty early on. DJ and Sabrina and myself, all three of us are like very, very socially conscious individuals. Um, they're wonderful people. And we kind of sat down with everybody in the house and we're like, we need to make an effort as a cast to not argue about the petty things that have defined real world in the past several seasons. You know, like let's make our meaningful arguments 
things that, uh, that 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 will start you know national conversations. I mean, the show if it doesn't have the influence that it used to, but it think can about be. the like yeah. you know, the five hundred thousand million, two two million, three million people that would be exposed to this over the course of the season. Um, we felt like if we could talk about race and we could talk about gender, we could talk about sexuality, uh, we could talk about income inequality, all of these things that are really, really pressing issues in America right now, um, that hopefully we would expose a younger generation to some of these issues that our generation is talking about so much right now. And it worked, you know? I mean, there was an explosive yeah, end we to so it, happy. you know? But, um, yeah. And it's it's a shame that violence sometimes has to happen, but I mean... Sometimes yeah, people it, are just put in such extraordinary is. situations where they just have, like, you know, an object yeah. in motion tends to stay in motion until it's stopped by something else. And she was, she just kept pressing it and using all sorts of oh, words, you know. I, I was shocked. I was, I was hooked. I, she was so much more of a real, true bitch in real life than the show made her out to be. Uh, Jenna, I mean. Yeah. Um, like it, it reached the point in the house where it wasn't just racist or homophobic anymore. Like it was, it was like cool. Yeah. You know, like there was a, two conversations that both happened off camera um, that I think motivated a lot of the frustration against her. Um, but one of them was she told CJ and Dean. It was a conversation between C, she, myself, CJ, and Dean, and. Um, she just, I mean, very frankly told them that black people complained too much Ugh. because slaves came to America of their own accord feeling that they would have a better life. Oh, my God. Jesus. And then in the same breath, when I, you know, retorted with being like, Jenna, do you know how many millions of um, Africans died on the slave ships? She said they knew what they had signed up for. Oh, my God. And, I mean, you can imagine, like, just the amount of offense and hurt that that would cause, I mean, really anyone. And and there was another conversation with me, and I think one of the reasons why I so vehemently fought against her homophobia was at one point we were, like, in the desert on some, you know, thing that they ended up never showing on the show. And, um, and out of the, I mean, unprompted, she just turned to me and was like, you know, I think gay people complain about AIDS too much. Oh, my God. And I was like, excuse me? And she's like, yeah, you know, like in her doinky accent, you know, it's just like, you know, it's like, it's kind of beautiful because like one man gives AIDS to another and then you both die in the end. It's like Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me, bitch? Like, <laughs> Man. <laughs> There's been very few times yeah. here on the Bobcast that I've been left speechless, but Jesus, I mean, that's just, that's insane, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. look, here's the thing, well, though, it's like, it. I'm a firm believer that we're all created equal, you know what I mean? We're all pink on the inside, and, and like, these types of beliefs, these types of ancestry of hatred, and, like, just brought down from gener generation to generation, it has to be absolved. So, I mean, like, yeah. anytime that, like, you know you see this, like, you have to say something, but, I mean, it is important, I think, that you can't really fight violence with violence because it's an endless cycle of degradation that just, it never ends, you know what I mean? Um, there's a book, actually, yeah. it's called, I read it um, when I was in uh, college, it's called Slave Community, and it's about all the different aspects of slavery, and there's one chapter that stood out to me um, where um, white settlers were coming back from America, and, you know, they were riding the waves of the Atlantic and it's 
Uncharted and like you know sea monsters and everything like that, and they're trying to get back to Spain or Europe or one of the ports of call, and they went off course and they crash their boats on the western side of Africa, and they themselves became slaves. And there's a story in there about that, about like you know kind of just like looking at it from like all perspectives. I mean, like it's a shame yeah. that history has done this to us, but at the same time, like humans. It, humans do this to humans. You know what I mean? It's not black people doing this to white people or Hispanic people. It's just humans. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that's something in the world today that people have kind of gotten away from. You know what I mean? Like, the the gay community, this community, that. It, there is no community. It's one community. You know what I mean? And I think that that's important. And ever since the show ended, everything in the, in the world, it seems, is just going to shit. So, I mean... I just, I just, I, I want peace. I don't know how to get there. I mean, like on the Bobcast, yeah. we talk a lot about it. You know what I mean? We're like, what do we need to have happen? I, you know, do we need? I do think, I think to, I think we do have to be careful though, because you know, like in 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 our case on the show, um, well, a lot of people were very unhappy with the way that CJ handled the situation. I think that we don't. She got pushed to the edge, though. She was pushed to yeah, the yeah. edge. Yeah, but I think it's like as 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 a world community as an American community, I don't think we often give enough credit to minority groups, whether that's like racial minority groups or that's like minority groups limited to sexual orientation. I think that we, um, we've reached this point in America where like so much of the history of minority groups has been taken away. So much of the culture has been taken away. So if we don't maintain these communities, then I think it can be pretty assured that those communities and everything about them will not be preserved because of, like, the white, cisgender, heteronormative culture that dominates everything in America right now. And I think that the reason why we reached such a point of, like, intense frustration in the House is because we saw that taking place, you know, in In our living room. And, And I think that you know, a lot of people offer very strong criticism of, like, the riots that took place in Baltimore or, or even the very riots that started the fight for equality here in New York at Stonewall. I mean, they were very fueled by violence oftentimes. But the fact of the matter is, is when you diminish any population to the point where they feel like they have nothing to do but raise a fist, what can you expect of them? Yeah, it's it just, it's, I, I just wish that humans realized that there's so much more to life itself than just hating upon somebody else you know what i mean and it's just like yeah absolutely i i just i i I see what you're saying though about like you know it's important to maintain the community because without it then the history is lost and without history i guess who who really are we you know what i mean so yeah yeah so you know you're you're going through all this stuff on the show with you know racism hatred and stuff like that but at the same time you're also going through um, an extremely personal struggle, and that was leaving the church, the Mormon church. Um, yeah. I mean, that must have been really difficult. I mean, I thought you did it with, with you know, you did it when you went there and you made that speech. You know, I was just like, man, that's something that's, you know, this should be, like, put out for everyone to see, not Thank just you. the MTV audience, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, it's Thank important so because much. it's another thing for me that I've always struggled with was the fact of, you know, a religion and a religion telling you that you have to do something this way or that way, but really in you know, all essence is kind of what I was saying before about everyone being together as a group. Religion should be, you know, everything. And, you know, it's a shame that sometimes people get put off by, you know, whatever God is because of what other humans are telling them, you know? So, like, 
with the Mormon church, like that must have been an extremely difficult thing. Looking back at it now, how do you uh, reflect on it? Um, well, you know, I still, I, well, I respect, a, I, I still have a lot of people that I'm close to who I have a lot of respect for who uh, maintain their membership in the Mormon church. And uh, I cannot fault them too much for that. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the relationship that I have with the Mormon church right now as an entity, uh, I, I would say it's not a good one, <laughs> obviously. Um, I, I really just feel like it's still very much an organization that is fueled by, like, deception and dishonesty and a lot of money laundering. And uh, it uses its influence and its money to uh, do exactly what it did uh, at the rally that I was protesting at on Real World. And, and that is to take away the, the rights of the minority groups that exist within it. Uh, you know, you, we saw that with them uh, diminishing the ability of black people in America to hold certain positions in the church up until the late 1970s, early 1980s. We've seen that continually without women since the church's conception. And we see that, you know, very much more in the news now with the ways in which that they're diminishing the rights of the LGBTQ community. Yeah. And I, I think it's just, I just don't think it's fair for a non-tax $7 billion organization to be able to use its money for lobbying. Especially when that lobbying takes away from my ability to love who I want to love. Yeah, why does religion lobby? That is that is the question I think we all need to be asking right now. Why does it, I mean, is it lobby because it's scared to not exist anymore, you know? like Yeah, it's like, why does religion lobby? Why are big companies lobbying? Like, why are all of these groups in America that are essentially untaxed and have crazy amounts of influence, the ones running everything. I mean, the last time I checked, we were supposed to be doing that. <laughs> I know, it, it, it's it's hard, it's a hard concept. Um, I mean, last night I was, I think we were, we were in the front room and I saw on the bottom, uh, like a little thing for the 11 o'clock news, action news, the caption read, Pope, Pope, uh, we owe an apology to the LGBT community. And it's like, okay, like, where, what's different now? I mean, I'm, I'm happy that the Pope's doing this now, but at the same time, like, wh where did religion get so... I don't want to use the adjective dirty, but it seems like it's really dirty, and it's a shame because it's something that should bring happiness and light to people, you know? So I'm trying yeah, to figure... Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I'm just trying to figure out, like, wh why, you know? Like, <laughs> we're already influenced by everything we watch. We're influenced by our phones. We're influenced by Snapchat, Instagram... I mean, what's next? Is religion going to become an app, you know what I mean, that you download and you have exclusive content uh, to? You know? Well, I mean, the Jehovah Witnesses and the Mormons already have an app, and it's, you know, it works really well. <laughs> Do they really? I think the Mormons have, yeah, the Mormons have several apps. I mean, this, that, I think this is one of the things that I, I've really tried to bring awareness to since coming off the show, and one of the big reasons that I did it was because I mean, this is a church, the Mormon church, and people don't think about it because it's this very small, predominantly Western religion, American Western religion, but they are the, and I am not kidding you when I say this, you can look this up, the single most profitable U.S. entity. I say entity because they're not a corporation. I mean, obviously it is a religion still, but they profit $7 billion, $7 billion untaxed dollars out of their tithe payers alone every single year. Wow. I mean, that's... And that, yeah, that, that is scary when you think about how much 
seven billion dollars can do in the swing of a way that the, like the way of a, the country is run. And uh, I, I mean, for me, I've been in touch with a lot of groups that do outreach in you know communities of people who used to be religious. And as I come together and meet these people from all different walks of life, not just people who are Mormon, you hear you hear like very similar quote-unquote horror stories where you realize how much influence religion has on our daily life. I mean, it comes through in our media, it comes through in our government, it comes through in the hate speech that Jenna threw at CJ and I on national television. And it's like, at what point are we going to stand up as Americans and be like, worship the way you want, but keep it out of my life? Well, I mean, that's what we're, I mean, the, originally the United States of America was the separation of church and state. There, uh-huh. there was no, you know, we, we wanted it to be that way, but, I mean, I recall in the early thousands, you know, George W. Bush mentioning God in his, you know, political addresses, and it's just, I don't know where that began, but it's, I, I, I agree 100% that it should be kept separate, because, I mean, it's, what did they say, it's indivisible? You, I mean, you really can't, uh-huh. you can't bring... With liberty like, and justice for all? Yeah, you can't bring religious, like... I mean, religious freedom is so important to like what we are as Americans, and I, I feel as if that should be the case, not just here, but I mean, throughout the world. And it's a shame that... Yeah. But I'm going to have to look up these apps. Yeah. I, I didn't know that there was apps that you can get. I mean, I guess it would be cool to have God, oh, a God yeah. app, you know, like help me... Well, God. I mean, the, <laughs> the church's most profitable app is Ancestry.com. Did you know that they own that? They own that. Wow. I did yeah, not know that. the Mormon that. church owns Ancestry.com. <laughs> which is another like multi-million essentially multi-billion dollar company so was that like um, are they using like like Mormon based factual information of history or is it act- I've never actually used the app or gone on Ancestry but well I mean- so that is what's truly fascinating um, so there's a predominant belief within Mormonism that, and, and I, this occasionally will come up in the news, it came up really recently when they tried to baptize the dead spirit of Anne Frank, and the Jews got very frustrated, as they should have. Um, but uh, Mormons perform this ordinance in their temples called Baptism for the Dead. There's this massive marble pool on the back of these like life-size 12 golden oxen, and you like have to wear these special underwear and they lead you into the water and there's like an older man in there who then baptizes you in and on behalf of dead souls who the church is trying to baptize as Mormons in the afterlife. Wow. Anyways, um, yeah, some very odd theology. Um, anyways, as a part of that, um, members of the church are motivated to go out and do massive amounts of family history. I mean, you'll see many, many Mormon families will travel in these big, like, these big trips back to Europe to just, like, do surfing for records. Um, because there is this real insecurity that if you don't baptize your uh, dead ancestors, that you won't be able to see them in heaven. Um, so the program that all of those names are cataloged in is called Family Search. Family Search, ironically enough, shares a server with some um, yes. Wow. Ancestry.com. So the church is using all of its members and uh, dangling this carrot of their ancestral salvation in front of them 
solely so they'll populate um, SSC.com <laughs> server. <laughs> <laughs> That's deep. It's really deep. I, I had no it, idea. It, it that's really a first year on the podcast. But yeah, I mean, that's evil. But I, it's it's all a way of like to control people, really. And I mean, I just never got it. I mean, I, at, I, at an early age, I mean, I was raised Catholic, Christian, you know, in the church and stuff like that. And I, I just remember one point being like, why didn't Jesus write anything down? Why is there not a book? You know, like why didn't you know, like if. I'm not doubting his existence and stuff like that, and who knows, maybe he did come back several times and we've never known about it, some of the cases, you know what I mean? But, like, it's yeah. just amazing to me that people, you know, like, you, you mentioned Jehovah's Witness earlier, the house that I live in now when I first moved in, I'm the type of person that, if you come and knock on my door, I'm going to talk to you. And when I first moved in, I opened the door to them, and I would have conversations with them in my driveway because I have a crazy chihuahua and that was a good way not to have him come in. But, I mean, like, we would talk about stuff. Yeah. And, like, they would just, like, they would always just want me. Like, I'm like, no, I just want you to know, like, what I know. You know, at the time, I was working at a, a Quaker church, Quaker school. Uh-huh. And Quakerism was a totally different thing for me from coming from the Catholic world. Because with Quakers, basically, you just, you're meaning for worship. You come into a room and you sit in silence until something moves you. And I'm like, what? Like, are you kidding me? Like, I don't have to like do the same thing each Sunday and recite these prayers and stuff. So it was an interesting way, but at the same time, I still don't affiliate myself with Quakerism or you know anything really. I just see myself as appreciative of like of all of it. You know what I mean? And like, I yeah, wonder to myself, like I wonder like why isn't there a religion like allism? You know what I mean? Like, give me something where I I can just appreciate everybody. You know, and like what they do. And it's a shame because I mean, once again religious wars you know like it's it's still brewing out there in the Middle East and it, it continues and it's just like I just don't I mean like in 2016 the problems that we face versus the problems that we faced in 1996 are on a much different scale and amplified level what do you think yeah. the cause do you think that the cause for this is because the do you think it's because like technology has advanced so much that information is now more attainable and people are butting heads over it like why this huge melting pot of just just people just ready to just go to war? Uh, to be honest with you, I think a lot of it stems from, um, you know, the real tragedy in very Amer- recent American history. I think a lot of it stems from, from 9-11. I think that we had this terrible tragedy um, that as a country we had we had to mourn for, you know? Do I think that we did it in the right way? Absolutely not. We took a religion and a people and a race and we vilified them and then we chased them across the world and we killed millions of their people for no reason. It's not to, like, reclaim their oil. And it created this culture of, like, intense, prideful, hateful patriotism in America. Yeah, and and I don't feel like, you know, going back to George W. Bush, I, I just, I think he was a terrible president, and I think he set up terrible precedents for what it means to be an American. And now we see, like, all of these radicals and extremists rallying behind Trump because, you know, they, they their, their last Republican president, their last white, cisgender, upper-class, you know, religious Republican president, told them, you know, like, our God is more legitimate than their God, so let's kill all of them. It's terrible. 
And it was terrible. And we see that that has just echoed through all of you know the hatred that I that we've all seen so present in America the last few years. And then I mean, like the aspect of violence across the world, and then violence. I guess I mean the first time that it ever like really came to the, the home front was in '99 in Columbine, when you yeah. know that shocked the world. And then ever since then, we've had all these cases and. Most recently, the terrible incident that happened in Orlando and the struggle now in the Capitol to get these, you know, assault rifles that you should be playing on PS4 or whatever. Like, it shouldn't, you don't go out into the woods with an AR-15 assault rifle to get a buck. You know what I mean? There's no argument there. Yeah. There's no sport in that. And they continue to argue. And, I mean, I've caught a lot of... I've spoken a lot of times on the Bobcast about how Adam... I've never even shot a gun, you know what I mean? Like, my gun's my, my weapon oh, is, yeah. of choice is my writing or my words, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to ever feel the need, and yeah, I don't, I I don't to want to feel guns, the need. I think they're horrible. You know, I just don't... I don't want... I mean, I have friends who own them, you know what I mean? Like, I, I guess I am guilty of watching television programming that has weapons in them and stuff, but like I said before on the Bobcast... Come on, I like, man, you gotta watch Game of Thrones! <laughs> <laughs> yeah... Uh, the finale was lit, but um, you oh know. Oh my god, so good! Anyway, but sorry, no, it's, no, it's okay. I mean, I'm just saying though, it's just it's just a shame that we just can't. I mean, like still to this, I don't. We just can't get rid of these types of, you know, what happened down there was just terrible. I mean, then then the news media portrays it as well. The FBI knew. The FBI knew he was there. And I often think to myself, like, well, why would the information that we're getting, why are we getting that information? Like the incident that happened in California where the Apple couldn't or the FBI couldn't hack into the cell phone. Why would they even put that out there? And that, that's a message for anybody who wants, who wants to harm somebody to be like, well, I guess I'm going to get an iPhone then because they can't hack my phone. You know what I mean? Like, I just yeah. feel as if the news media sometimes, except for there's one guy, I mean, in particular, I really like Anderson Cooper because he just is like no I'm not saying the shooter's name I'm doing it my way and you don't really yeah. see that too much I mean like especially here in Philadelphia like on Action News here at 6 they'll, they'll just completely the first 20 minutes it's all about the bad shit in the world you know what I mean yeah but well, I feel I as if the, the it should have been avoided right in Action News is in its namesake you know it's like <laughs> we got tired of learning and we needed it to be entertaining yeah it's it's a, it's a shame there's no there's nothing to be learned Action you know? News yeah, I mean, I my wife was just saying to me uh, a couple weeks ago, are we going to let our son watch TV when he's older? I mean, are we going to let him watch, the, you know, the 6 o'clock news? Because it's, it's all about, you know, shootings and violence. And really, it just, it's it sucks, you know what I mean? I, a lot of people yeah. would say to me, like, well, why would you want to have a kid in today's world? Like, because they've been doing, you know what I mean? Like, it's been going on for centuries, you know what I mean? But the one yeah. thing that, you know, that can be said, and it kind of, reverts to I guess the Game of Thrones type of you know mythology or whatever like you know for centuries it took it took centuries for people to kill themselves with just swords but we're doing a really fine job of it in just the last what 16 years of just you know with oh, weapons yeah. and guns like you know what I mean like ugh. yeah it's not it, and I you know I really do I, I said this to my uh, my Twitter followers this morning by the way follow me on Twitter at tweet at Chris um uh, I said this to my Twitter followers this morning. I said, we've reached a point as a country where people are not going to sit back and tolerate this kind of bullshit anymore. You know, like, there is very clearly, like, a bourgeois in America, and, and they are, like, propagating all of the hatred. They are propagating all of the, like, 
I mean, it's the money grubbing. It's it's all it all can be traced back to this like elite group of white conservative, you know, people here in America, and and it's it's frustrating because we are now like bringing in another generation of kids and like another generation of kids and and they're being exposed to this media that is being run by this group and and all that they're getting is the stuff that I think is being very prescribed to them. And, and, and we saw that in, in, in real world, and that was one of the things that broke my heart, you know, like, we were, what they told us, one of the most controversial seasons that they'd had in a decade. You know, we talked about real issues. We didn't, we didn't talk about, you know, the things that we thought were gonna be sexy or trendy or fun. We talked about our experiences. Yeah. And, uh, as a result, we were the least promoted season that they've ever had. Is that the case? Absolutely, 100%. And you could put me on the record saying that. So you feel- I, I mean, the amount of media coverage that we got in comparative to even the last two seasons was, I, I, I mean, minuscule. Am I mistaken in thinking that the season was a little short, too? There was only, like, how many episodes were uh-huh. there? We, they had filmed enough content for 15 episodes. Uh, we only signed for 13, mm-hmm. um, and most of the content that was cut, I think, was content that kind of gave more reference to the racial tension in the house. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's and, a bizarre choice for, you know, for MTV to do yeah, that. Being in the middle of that, you know, like, you again, you trace it all the way up the line, and you've got this huge media conglomerate at the top. Yeah, and and they don't want people talking about that kind of stuff. You know, like, they don't want anybody talking about, like, taking power away from those who have power in America. And, and anytime you talk about minority discrimination, ultimately someone's going to lose power because, frankly, it needs to be redistributed. It really does. And there needs to be some sort of... Something has to happen. I mean, the aliens have to show up. Something has to come to just <laughs> you, you know, unite us, for God's sake. Uh, yeah, yeah. Either that or Kanye. Kanye has to make another uh, video. What's that, Chris? I said we've been preparing for twenty years. So have they. Yeah, they're back. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) What I was gonna say was like maybe you know Kanye makes has to make another video with the bed being a lot bigger and a lot more people in there. You know what I mean? But uh, oh my gosh, yeah. I just saw uh, that video. I've seen it a couple times. I mean, I yeah, I got titled just so I could watch it. Kanye, I mean, he, he knows really how to, like, get it going. You know what I mean? Like, he knows how to get... I don't know what the discussion is with the, the video itself, but there is a discussion to be had. I mean, the when, once the, the track ends, and then it's just, like, what, two and a half minutes of just voyeuristic, you know, camera work, you know? And I like the fact that he shot it on, like, a mini-DV-type old-school stock uh-huh. footage. But, I mean... He, I guess he came out in the media yesterday and he was like, I'm waiting for somebody to sue me. Nobody wants to sue me yet, you know? George W. Bush did come out and say, well, I'm a lot more fit than the, the way they portrayed me in that video. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, talk about, like, just controversial. I mean, getting, you know, like, I, you know, in a way, like, I've had, there's some things that Kanye has done in the past that I've questioned, but at the same time, when he does stuff like this, it really makes me appreciate him as an artist and it makes me really wonder, is he going to run for president? You know, like he said, he yeah. was, you know, like what happens if he does do that? What, what, what's, what, 
what's going to happen? You know what I mean? But it'd be interesting times because yeah. I mean, there's nobody doing what he does. Uh, like, yeah. Well, and it, I think what a what a crazy progression that would be. You know, to have he and then you know his wife Kim Kardashian essentially establish themselves as like the most famous people in the world and become and then POTUS. To, yeah, and it's like, can we really? resent either one of them if they then wanted to use all of that influence to move into government? I mean, is that any different from, like, the, like, massive amounts of money and influence that, like, all of these white California and East Coast families are, like, pouring into their children, like, having these political dynasties? Yeah, I don't okay, think okay, much And is it really any difference? I mean, like, Donald Trump was a celebrity, you know, and, like, a, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Trump Plaza, like, Trump Taj Mahal, like, I never would have thought in a million years that he would have gotten as far as he has. And I would take Kanye as a president over Trump every single time. <laughs> oh man! I mean, I can't imagine with that like uh, ceremony when he got a, like you know when he puts his hand on the Bible or whatever to like, become the president. Oh, yeah. Man, like, I the real can't... question is: Does keeping up with the Kardashians then get shot inside the White House? Oh you man! Know, like... Can you imagine the ratings on that? But I mean, at the same time, oh I guess that's God. that's kind of what pop culture I'm sure wants. That they have all these details worked out already. Like they're just waiting for it. They're already storyboarding. They're they're prepared. But I mean, yeah. I, I've heard him Jenner say though that come he out right before he runs, and they'll just take all the gay community. <laughs> it would, you know, it, it would work. You know, I mean, I really think that. Uh, I mean, after watching that video, you just get to a certain point. You're like. This makes me feel, I don't know how I felt afterwards, but I know I needed to watch it again. But, I mean, at the same time, he's the only person, I think, in mainstream media right now who plays both the hero and the villain role so perfectly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, like, at the same time, I mean, I guess that's what the president usually does. You know, he's, he's a bad guy. He's a good guy, you know, like... Yeah. You know, and, but like... at the very least, you know, at the very least, Kanye's honest. And I'm like... You know, that's kind of, that's where I have my problems with Hillary right now, to get really political, is I'm like, you know, as much as I appreciate that in the last year you've become this huge advocate for, like, specifically to, like, my work, LGBTQ rights, you know, there's not, what was it, 1994, where we have this recorded speech of Hillary talking about how, like, this is a an ordinance, like, of God between a man and a woman, and then, like, oh, no, I never said those things. That was me being under it's pressure. It's a flip-flop, yeah. And I'm like, all the way. Yeah, I'm like, okay, but, like, well, I really kind of just want to know, like, what your truth is. Like, tell me what you really want from this. And we know Kanye is, like, here on Earth <laughs> to do two things, and that's to, like, make things interesting for Kanye and make things interesting for us. I, you know, and, uh, I, I agree with what you're saying about with Hillary, like the, you know, the LGBT community also too, like her husband, you know, I mean, I remember I was, I guess I was probably like 11 or so when he was inducted and stuff like that. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, these are the best of times. Bill Clinton's jogging to get himself a McMuffin sandwich at McDonald's and everything's good. But at the same time, we were incarcerating millions and millions of people across America on minuscule drug charges and just making the, yeah, you know, still are, you know, you know, and like, <laughs> and they covered that all up, you know, and then like once it was brought to the forefront, you know, it was like, well, I, th- I saw like a little news bite where uh, Bill Clinton starts sticking up for it, but like, you know, I mean, like, it's just a shame that like all the political people, all the people of power who can run for office all have this checkered past history of like being like, 
well, I agree, I don't agree. There is no set in stone, like, you know, type of politician. I I, I haven't seen it in my lifetime. I don't, you know, I guess Kanye could be it, you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. used to think I wanted well, Tom Hanks to run, but it, I mean... But, uh... You know, mainstream media made sure that he'll never get elected. So thanks, guys. <laughs> uh, it's just—it's a shame, you know. I mean, it's—it's it's, hopefully something can be done. You know what I mean? But um, and I, I firmly believe that you know all people need to be represented. You know. Um, yeah, absolutely. Before we go, tell us um, like um, what you're doing right now with the LGBT community. You just had a fantastic day in New York. Celebrating Pride. Yeah, we just celebrated Pride uh, this weekend. And it was uh, it was incredible. You know, I I think one of the things I love the most about New York, the city I live in, is this, there's this real culture of, of love and acceptance, but also very much of mourning. And that's that's not just um, mourning. You know, these recent tragedies that have that we've had, um, but also mourning. You know, the losses that cultures like the LGBTQ culture, uh, racial cultures have lost over time. I think that's uh, one of the best things about living here is, is the, the preservation of those cultures and the recognition of what has been already lost is, is very present, very important. Um, and, and I think that New York has very much taught me, real world has very much taught me, um, even being Mormon, in a sense, has really taught me the importance of telling and preserving stories and that's what I'm doing right now with my life is I'm trying to find ways to tell and to preserve queer stories so that you know my children and, and their children they have a point of reference to define their culture one that you know maybe we haven't seen up to this point in uh, American history well, I think it's a fantastic thing that you're doing people can check you out you want to drop all your social media networks absolutely uh, Christopher Ammon, that's A-M-M-O-N dot com. Um, you can see like all the updates on everything that I'm doing, advocacy work, and uh, links to resources to help uh, LGBTQ and endangered teens. Um, and then also I am on Instagram, at Christopher Ammon, and on Twitter, at Tweet at Chris. And if you really want to get intimate, like uh, we were talking about earlier, <laughs> you can always follow me on Snapchat at uh, C. Christopher. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you for being a, an outstanding human. Hey, thank and you so much for having me. <laughs> being somebody you know who has something to say here in the world, and I think that's important. I think it's important to raise awareness, and you did that. I appreciate you making space for that. It's not very often that you see that, so I applaud you for your efforts as well. It was great talking with you today. Thank you very much. My name's Bob. This has been another episode of Bobcast. <laughs>